Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you don't force it. My guest this week is doing some very unique work, and I'm excited to share her story with you. Shweta Tandri is the founder of Melodies for Math, which is an organization that is working on making math more relatable and engaging through music. So let's dive in and get started with this episode featuring Shweta Tandri. I'm Shweta Tandri, I'm 20 years old. I'm a college sophomore at the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm the founder of my company, Melodies for Math, which aims to make math more relatable, engaging, and creative through songs. And my whole mission is just to make math more creative because that's what it is. It's the language of our universe, et cetera. I also want to encourage people of Gen Z and even younger to be more creative and to um, figure out the best way for them to use math and other tools as a way to create change in their communities. Because creativity is now becoming more and more of the norm, and I want to prepare other people for that. So with my business, I am mostly targeting homeschooling families because I feel like they're the most open to like new changes and how things are being learned compared to people who are, who, um, are not. And I'm also working with various brands and how to showcase what they're doing in a creative way also, since I'm technically an influencer. So those are my um, one of many ways that I'm looking to um, solidify my revenue. But other than that, I just love creating things myself in, in, in addition to helping other people uh, be creative as well. Thank you for that introduction, Shweta. And I am so excited to learn more about Melodies for Math and all of this work that you're doing. So I'd love to get started by having you tell me more about your background. What inspired you to get started with this work? And what did the path look like for you to get to this point with Melodies for Math? Yeah, uh, sure thing. So I started it. I, I think I um, the signs that I was going to start it was always there. But I guess the earliest sign was probably when I was in grade seven and I had to do a math project for my algebra class explaining a concept. And I thought to make the concept actually fun to understand, why don't I write a parody to a very popular song at the time? So I did. And it, it ended up a lot of my classmates liked it. It got like a thousand views on YouTube, which was mind boggling to me as a like a newly 13 year old at the time. It was a lot. And someone commented under the video saying that this helped them understand the concept. And I was just so like in shock that whatever I was able to make was able to impact people beyond just my own community. So that was my first taste of that. And I kind of thought, you know what, I want to write more parodies, but I just felt like it, could, it didn't materialize at that time. I don't really know why. I guess maybe it's because I didn't really know enough math concepts to really keep this continuing. But I ended up like writing parodies for a bunch of other things too. And so I was known as the girl who kind of does that sort of thing in uh, grade seven. In grade eight, I wrote my first original song for history. And I guess that was my first time of me saying, wow, I can actually make something original so I don't have to worry about running out of potential songs to make parodies of. So that was really, really cool. When I went to high school, however, I guess I kind of realized how um, the the education system is kind of lacking with with the creativity, especially in math. It's more like answer based instead of process based. And since we've been conditioned from an early age to only want the answers, we are reluctant to embrace the process, which kind of puts us in this cycle. So even though math used to be something that I loved throughout all my life, in, in my freshman year of high school, I started to not like it that much because of algebra two and it's still my least favorite out of all the maths, but it was not a fun experience. But my calculus teacher the following year made me love math again. And I'm like, you know what, maybe I can try to 
find a way to spread this to others. In 11th grade, when I created my, my um, first passion project slash nonprofit, which was environmental oriented, I thought, I used to write songs a long time ago. Why don't I write a song for this project? So that kind of reaffirmed that I could write original songs again. And in January of 2020, I kind of wrote this idea that I wanted to create like very, very short songs explaining calculus. Cause I think I can still find it in my documents, but I guess it never really happened until two months later in early March. So before lockdown, I thought I can just make this idea a reality since I figured out new software to help me compose. So I don't have to use like these crusty piano apps on my iPhone that sound horrible. <laughs> and then I wrote a 50 second song and then I started uploading these calculus songs with my video editing once every week. And I've been doing that for a while. And then, you know, I started branching out on Instagram, finding new team members, figuring out like stuff about myself as a leader, realizing that even if things go wrong, it might not necessarily be my fault. There's more gray areas. The next year I posted on TikTok, blew up a month later, decided to make this a business, kind of playing along with what that means. But while also figure like while trying to find myself in the entrepreneurial space and feel confident, but at the same time, never losing sight of my mission. So and also starting college. <laughs> the so that was definitely a challenge, but that but that's where I currently am. So it's kind of most of I mean, you could call this my business story. I could also call this it's it's really intertwined with my life story. So that's why it's kind of hard for me to condense it. That's really interesting. And I love how organic the whole development process was. And like you said, it's all kind of intertwined with your own life story. And it's like your business grew with you as you were getting older and moving on to new experiences like college. So what would you say is your favorite song that you've put together so far? I'd love to have you just describe some of these parodies for people to imagine if they haven't listened to something like this. So tell me about some of your favorites. Okay, I, I guess my 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 the, the first parody that I wrote obviously holds a very soft spot for me. Um, it was about standard forms, you know, like algebra. There's like slope intercept form, point slope form, standard form. I'd explain standard form, and the song that I chose was um, "Dynamite" by Teo Cruz because I think it was popular at the time. I was like 20, 2015, etc. So I did a parody to that. It went something like, "We're doing math, 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 math. There are many different ways to graph, 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 graph." It just kind of flowed very organically. Another parody that kind of is close to my heart was when I, this one is very fuzzy in my head. I don't remember all of it, but it was for my English class in seventh grade. And it was like different ways to analyze a text. And for that one, I chose to do the parody of Firework by Katy Perry. But for some reason, when I gave my school iPad back, I forgot to back up my files. So unfortunately, I don't have any of the old documents anymore, which, and also my school YouTube channel got deleted. So I don't have the old videos anymore either. Um, an original song I wrote in eighth grade was about the first five presidents of the United States. And that was like a very, very simple chord progression that I played on my piano back at home. Yeah, th those three are the ones that hold the strongest place in, uh, in, in, in my memory. I, I'll have to think of more, but those are the, the three main ones that come to my head. Those are great examples. I love that. So you're targeting mostly Gen Z with this content right now, as our generation makes up most of the people who are in school and learning these concepts. And as we grew up with so much technology and information and access to different forms of media, do you think that Gen Z students may be more susceptible to learning from these parody videos than other generations who came before us? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't want to, li- I don't want to limit myself to Gen Z. I want to target like future generations after that, obviously. But the thing is, I don't know enough about them yet to, to know how things work. So obviously I'm still targeting Gen Z. The fact that like I'm 20 years old and I'm Gen Z, it probably means that there's people who are like Gen Alpha or something who are eight years old, who are probably going to be using my stuff in a little while. And the thing is, obviously they're getting social media early, but I'm going to have to wait and see like how they're going to be in contrast to us. But I, I will say definitely I'm kind of targeting Gen Z because I'm noticing that we, like our generation in particular is one that is like not willing to accept like how things are. I, I guess I like, I'm pretty sure you could say that about like other generations too, I guess for what they went through in their time frame. But I know that we are like, I don't want to have to be uncreative and just do something that I hate to like just to stay alive you know I, like, I want to do something that I like that, that, that I'm allowed to express my energy a lot of Gen Zers I notice are being more open about their love for art even though art is known to be an underpaid field but it's like we want to try to change that and create our own futures and I think also another thing that Gen Z is going to have to deal with is especially with AI and stuff there's a lot of automation going around and I feel like the, the essence of what makes us human is what keeps us different because you could argue that that robots can be creative. I I, I don't know about that because I'm not really into, I don't know that much about AI, but creativity is all about t- harnessing our essence. And I feel like Gen Z is starting to tap into that a lot more than what previous generations have done. So education ha- does need to be changed as like society is moving forward, our mindsets are moving forward. And so the challenge is having to basically market to millennials and Gen, X- and Gen Xers because they're the parents here. To, to basically tell them that, hey, that this would be best for your kid. So that's what I'm currently working on. And that's a bit of a challenge, but a lot of them are coming around. Yeah, I think that homeschooling point is interesting because there's a lot of controversy around homeschooling. But as far as trying new methods out and being more open to teaching new content, it's very flexible. So as far as social media, it's kind of a controversial topic as well, as far as the way that we, especially Gen Zers, use it in our lives. And it's become a business and an educational tool. And your business is built on social media because you use it to share your content and advertise it and connect with people. So as someone who uses social media for your business, I would love to get your thoughts on the impact that social media is going to play in our lives in the future. Sure, sure. So from a business perspective, I feel like my journey has been kind of different than like a lot of other like startups in the sense in which a lot of them get their and a lot of them get their MVP they do market research that kind of thing but I kind of approached it from more of like a creator standpoint so I create stuff I love I build an audience that loves my essence and what I do and then I create a product that serves them but at the same time my content I mean I have to ask people what they think of my content but at least for my part I feel like it doesn't feel like it's a company you know there are a lot of TikToks that feel like they're a company or like they radiate corporate I feel like Duolingo is an example of like how companies should be looking at social media because they are they've been doing really really great. I've also heard that there's some legislation that TikTok could be banned in the U.S. and that kind of makes me sad because the thing is I know that my business will do well with or without it, but TikTok has just been great for like there's a lot of content on there like there's educational content which people could never have imagined learning educational content in short form, like the, the, there's education about math technology there's people sharing their life stories and like getting help and having their life changed. There's a lot of independent artists. Like I feel like social media is an avenue for opportunity. And I feel like as more and more people harness social media, they can find a way to like 
change their lives for the better and escape the system. I guess if they feel like they're trapped in a system, they can escape it. So there's a lot of limitless potential for social media. But then again, there are a few downsides, which I can probably share my take on them. There is greater and greater potential for misinformation, I guess, as more and more people are creating. And and then it's like, what are, what's the role with fact, with fact checking and supposed like freedom of speech? Like there's a lot of controversy around that. And then also personally, I got social media when I was like 16 and I felt like that was a pretty good age to get social media. But I feel like people getting social media at like earlier and earlier ages matures them faster. So I feel like a lot of people aren't able to like live their full childhoods because they grow up too fast. Because I know my brother, who's like 13, grew up a lot faster than than I did. And, and, then, and then also the, the, the fact that if, if you're not strategic about this, your, your whole business and your content relies on an algorithm and you don't know what's running the algorithm or who's running it or, you know, who gets promoted over others. We don't know who decides that. So it's important to figure out how to not rely on the algorithm for everything. People are getting banned unfairly, which, which is also not, which is also not fair. And you, and I guess a lot of, a lot of people don't know that you can, you have some control over your algorithm by clicking on like not interested or doing things like that. But, we should be able to control our algorithms more than, you know, just relying on some AI that we don't even know. <laughs> so the, I guess those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head over using social media for almost three years now. Just all my thoughts about that. That's interesting. And I think that younger age point that you brought up is really valid. And I haven't really thought about that. So thank you for sharing that. There's lots of pros and cons. So it's great to hear your thoughts on that issue. I have one last question for you. Lots of young people, especially high school students, college students, want to create change and want to make a difference, but they may not know where to get started with that work. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? Hmm. What I would say is don't force it because I because like the, the reason that my environmental nonprofit failed was because it was forced. Like just kind of trust your energy and see where that takes you. Because there, there are plenty of ways to make change. Sometimes you can be an entrepreneur. Other times you feel like you don't want to do that, but you want to do something on the side. And that's fine too. Like just do like, you just feel free with, to do what is best for you. Also, one thing that I learned when I took a really, really impactful entrepreneurship class at my university was look for the gaps. So like, it can be like, like, like if there's any gaps that, that you're noticing that are affecting how, um, I don't know how to explain this, but like, like if there's a problem and you identify a gap that, that you know that you can fix, you, you can kind of start brainstorming different ideas or just keep a list, keep a list of, of different things that you observe and then come back to them occasionally and see if there's anything that, that you're energetically attracted to. Also, another thing that I will say is change making is not easy. A lot of it is a mindset game. Like it, sometimes it might, it might be tempting for you to want to pull back, but change is not like long lasting change will take time. So you kind of have to be committed to playing in for the long game, but you don't have to like do a single business for the long game, you know, but just like stay in the game for as long as you can. And then eventually you'll find where you're meant to be. Also, there's a lot of trial and error. Most of the time, like you see a lot of people who are put together. A lot of times they probably don't know what they're doing either. And they're just presenting the best versions of themselves. This is advice that I'm saying to myself right now, because I'm currently feeling that I'm not put together, but it seems like everyone else is, that that is not true. Because there could be people who assume that about me, that I'm put together, even though I'm not. But I'm trying my best to share that. So that's everything that I would say regarding starting out. 
I really enjoyed this conversation with Shweta because of how open and honest she was about her entire journey to develop and now continue to build Melodies for Math. I want to highlight Shweta's first piece of advice that she shared when she talked about not forcing it. Melodies for Math developed and then became popular when Shweta least expected it, and it's continued to grow organically with her as she gets older. Melodies for Math started off as a fun video for a class and is now a successful business helping thousands of students learn math. So I think Shweta's story is a great example of how change comes when you don't force it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can find Shweta on Instagram at themathgal to get connected with her. You can also find Melodies for Math on Instagram at Melodies for Math to watch some of the content Shweta is creating. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.